Amen. Well, well, we'll get into our passage in just a moment. Um, let me just say, um, just a, a nod to my, my lovely wife. I, I often, on July 4th, remember her quick wit when we got married on January 4th. Six months difference, right? When she called it my loss of Independence Day. So, um, the, um, Right now we're in a series in which we're walking through some chapters in the book of Luke. We're walking with Jesus as he's traveling um, from Samaria to Jerusalem. He knows that when he gets to Jerusalem that he's going to die there. And there are many unique stories and just fantastic um, things among Jesus and the disciples on this journey. And this passage today that we're looking at is an interesting one. Um, in that there's lots of misunderstanding about this passage. This passage is not primarily about heaven, hell, and where we go and we die. Like, it's not about, like, quite often what happens is, is we get so focused on heaven, hell, and the intermediate state that we miss what this passage is really about. And it's, incredi it's a cr an incredibly convicting passage. So it would be a shame for us to just get focused on our theology and miss actually what Jesus is trying to do here, okay? And so even though what Jesus says about heaven, hell, and the intermediate state, it might be correct, it's a parable. And the problem with the parable is that if you push a parable too far, you get to points where you go, well, that's not right, okay? I mean, the, it's like the analogy breaks down at some point. So, for example, with this parable, you wouldn't go, well, if you enjoy good things in this life, you get bad things after you die. And if you enjoy bad things in this life, you get good things. Like, we wouldn't, as Christians, we wouldn't believe that, it's, that that's just what happens. Um, but there's a point in this parable that sounds very much like that, doesn't it? Or as well, we as Christians would very strongly believe that your salvation is through Jesus only. Right? It is through faith in Jesus and what he did for you that you are saved. And your good works, your caring for the poor, comes later as the Holy Spirit works in you and enables you and changes you. And so your salvation, in this parable, it could sound like your salvation is solely and completely based on whether you care for the poor or not. That would be pushing the parable too far. Okay? What I want you to see is what Jesus is doing here, because it is convicting. And what Jesus is focusing on is on how we use money, how we use power, that we should use ourselves in such a way that what we have, what God has given us in such a way that we care for those in need. And that is incredibly convicting, and you'll see as we, as we get into it. And so um, let me... And so here in this parable, what Jesus will do is he's going to use Abraham and the afterlife to make it clear that the thinking of the Pharisees in regard to how they valued money and position are wrong. And this challenge that he's giving is one that could challenge us today as well. And, and I know whenever a preacher talks about money, there's a little bit of a thing where people want to kind of go, ooh, don't, don't talk about that. That's a bit, that's a bit painful. Um, I feel it too, okay? And so, um, so let's get into this. Let me, let me ask real quick for a quick show of hands, if you don't mind. How many of you have spent time in a third world country or someplace where there's been extreme poverty, and you, what you've, from what you've seen, you've thought, when I go home, I'm going to live a different life? Anybody? Okay, that is, that is most of the hands in the room, okay? Um, now let me ask those that raised their hands real quick for another show of hands. How many of you got home and then were surprised how quickly everything went back to normal? Okay, yeah, exactly. 
You see, it's scary to me how easily we are influenced by the culture around us and how hard it can be, therefore, to live in a way that's different. And so what Jesus challenges the Pharisees with here is incredibly appropriate for us as well. And so let me just take us into this. The first thing I want you to see here is, is Jesus' challenge here in regard to money. Essentially that God cares for the poor and we should too. Right from the very beginning, we get this contrast between Lazarus and the rich man. And it's meant to disgust the hearer. Like the rich man is in luxury and Lazarus is suffering. And so notice this in verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. Like, why is he dressed in purple? Why tell us this? Is he just fancy? Okay, right? Um, the reason is, is because purple clothing was expensive to make. That's why you hear about kings wearing purple and this sort of thing. In an age before synthetic dyes, to have purple clothing meant that they would take thousands and thousands of specific snails and they would crush them as part of a long process. And so it was said back in Jesus' day that a pound of purple wool to make something with could cost a year's wages. So to be wearing something in purple is like the way, it's, it's a brag, isn't it? It's like the status symbol um, to show just how rich you are to own something that's purple. Now, you've got purple on today. I'm not, yeah, anyways, and it wasn't even that expensive. Yeah, no, anyways. Um, but, the, um, you know, it was a status symbol of the day. And we've got ridiculous status symbols today, right? You know, your car can go really fast but all cars have, are, are bound by the same speed limits, right? Your Gucci bag can hold stuff. Any bag can hold stuff. You know what I mean? Like, we've got ridiculous examples of status that, can be do, that, is done, that are done today. And this rich man was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. Contrast that with Lazarus. In verse 20, we hear about Lazarus. This, he's a beggar. He's covered in sores, which would be, so he's in rough shape physically. He's longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table, like any of the rich man's rubbish he would long for. And it says, little, even the dogs came and licked his sores. And that's interesting to think about. Does that mean that he couldn't protect himself from what would be common wild dogs? Regardless, it sends the message that he was worse off even than the dogs. Now, think about this for a moment. Lazarus and the rich man. Which of these two people would you rather be friends with? Right? Do you know what I mean? Which of these two people would you naturally think, well, that's, that's the type of person I would hang out with? Like the rich man, he's, he's clean, and he's, he's got power, and he's, like, I don't know about you, but I kind of naturally, the, the person I would naturally want to hang out with, and this is convicting, is the rich man. And that's clearly not what Jesus wants for me or for us, right? And see, the Pharisees would have naturally preferred the rich man. He would be their type of people. The rich man and his brothers, however, in this parable, clearly represent the Pharisees. Now, just before the passage that we're looking at today, we get something that clearly foreshadows what's coming in this parable. 
in verses 13 to 15. Let me read this. Check this out. Jesus says to the Pharisees, No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Check this out. Verse 14. The Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. That's some serious, like, sneering. I love that word. Like, that's some serious, your heart is wrong if you're sneering. Like, um, they loved money. They were sneering at Jesus because they don't like what he's saying. And then verse 15, Jesus said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. Now, notice something here. Why do you think Lazarus is named? Now, this is very odd, actually, because this is the only parable in which Jesus names someone in the parable. Okay? And because of this, a lot of ink has been spilled where people try to argue things like that it isn't a parable, which is unlikely, um, or they try to argue things like maybe this was Jesus' friend by the name of Lazarus. Again, unlikely. The thing I think that is most likely is that it was a profound way for Jesus to give dignity to this poor person in the story. Like the, the rich man is unnamed, but Lazarus is named. And even just by naming him, he, it's so much more powerful than just saying there was a poor man at his gate, right? You see, poverty is easier for us when it is faceless and nameless. And what can happen for us is that we get too consumed with, instead of caring for people, focusing on ourselves and our stuff. I, I love this quote from the fourth century. Um, Ambrose, who was a church leader, um, a theologian, and I feel like this quote that he says, it could be written today, right? And, and I even kind of wonder, like, in the fourth century, what did they even, you know, whatever. Anyways, but check this out. He says this. There is your brother naked and crying, and you stand confused over the choice of an attractive floor covering. Like, I didn't even know they had floor coverings in the fourth century. You know what I mean? Like, how, you know, how, how much could that be written today? There is your brother naked and crying, and you stand confused over the choice of an attractive floor covering. What can happen too easily, and what we see with the rich man, is that our focus and our drive is in the wrong direction and for the wrong things. And so first, we see this challenge about money. God cares for the poor, and we should too. The second thing I want you to see here in Jesus' challenge is about power. Quite often, money and power, they come together, or one leads to the other. And the challenge would be that we don't live for position or status, but that we live for God. So, so did you notice in this parable that Abraham features? Abraham, who died like 2,000 years earlier, has a speaking part. Weird, right? You see, the Pharisees thought they were privileged children of Abraham. But here we find that Abraham is on Lazarus' side. They would have considered the rich man blessed. Instead, of, he's not on the rich man's side. He's on Lazarus' side. And that Lazarus, or, sorry, the rich man, when judged is put in a place where it's separate from Abraham. And he can't go where Abraham and Lazarus are. 
And in the middle of this, we get this really interesting example of arrogance, or maybe it's just unconscious bias. So the rich man asks Abraham to help him. Like, check this out, verse 24. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus. Now, by the way, if it only happened once, I would think that I might overlook it, right? But then in verse 27, it happens again. He answered, I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family. Just tell Lazarus to do it. This is, what the, this is the sort of life that the rich man is used to. People like Lazarus, you can tell them what to do. He's in a position of power. See, money and power often go together with arrogance following closely behind. Just scary. And I wonder then, what do you hope to become? What do you want your life to be marked by? If someone was to describe your life, what words do you hope they would use? Like, I'm not against ambition, but I want your ambition to be focused on loving God and loving others, not on yourself. Instead of being, not on being better than someone else. You see, there's a challenge here about money, about power, about arrogance, ambition and if then when you are challenged as we see here in this passage if when you're challenged your heart is hard bring it to God see this theme now of hardness of heart comes up in this parable but it comes up several times in the chapters in what we've been looking at see with the, the rich man here representing the Pharisees we see a tragic hardness of heart now, the rich man, however, in the parable, all of a sudden, he can see things clearly because he's died and he's now in Hades and he can see things clearly. And for this reason, he wants to convince his brothers. But Jesus says they won't listen. The, the reply is that they have the law and the prophets, which means they have the Bible. They can read that. That should tell them everything they need to know. The rich man sticks to his point that, that if a dead person goes to them, they will listen, solid logic, you know. I imagine a dead person speaking would be compelling. And to this, Abraham, actually Jesus, remember it's a parable, says that they won't listen even if someone comes back from the dead. Which is a clear reference to what will happen with Jesus. Notice, Jesus has challenged them over and over again about the hardness of their hearts. And their hearts are still hard, their hearts are so hard that it won't be long from now, in the, in the text, when they will put Jesus to death. And then even when Jesus rises from the dead, their hearts will still be hard. Now here's the thing. Money and position, they can be good things when used properly. And so with whatever money you have or whatever position you have, whatever opportunity you have, the question then becomes, can you have the sort of heart that instead of becoming hard and using those things for yourself and, you know, and letting it become all about you, that actually you realize that these things have come from God. And you can say back to God, God, what I have is yours. The opportunities you give me, they're yours. The position or power I have, it's yours. I don't want to have a hard heart filled with arrogance. Instead, I want to have a humble heart 
that serves you. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would help us with this. We are too easily affected by the world around us. Father, I pray that by your spirit that you would just give us the humility to be challenged by this text. To let your spirit speak into our lives. Help us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.